Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are continuing on our topic of social justice and the sordid mess that it is making in our country. Fun. Uh, yeah. So we believe that the bulk of what's said is either un, uh, is unnecessary or it's simply deceptive within this whole movement. So that's what makes this frustrating for us to do is that what you're we're trying to do is dismantle a lie but it's a lie that's believed right so you know it's so hard to it's it's so hard to get a person convinced to stop just stop and examine what's going on one of the points though that we hear over and over again we're going to talk about today uh, is that idea of systemic racism um, we have to tear down these um, systems of racism. The problem with the police today is that they're a major cog in these systems of racism. The reason black people are in prison is due to systems of racism. The reason black home ownership is low is these systems. When teams over the last few years are trying to keep players from kneeling in football and whatnot, uh, not enough blood. The reason was the systems of racism. You didn't have enough black front office employees, not enough black owners. So it doesn't matter if these guys are all multimillionaires. What you really see is the oppression of the white systemic racism that's present and and it's invisible to the whites, mm -hmm. but it's obvious to at least the woke black. Uh, so what we want to do is just give a little bit of our uh, time and, and give you our take on this whole thing. It will be fairly brief, we think, unless we really go off ranting, uh, because we've really spoken about it in various ways already. Uh, but did you know that the health care industry is racist? Do tell. Okay. Well, this one just comes from an article out of the Christian Post, um, and we've got the link in our show notes. But here's how one article writes it. Four months after COVID-19 brought... Now, listen to the words that of all the quotes and how just full of stuff that, that that's what we're going to call it stuff that <laughs> they are built into each sentence four months after COVID-19 brought the nation to a standstill Americans are waking up to the inescapable reality an uncontrolled virus is steamrolling the nation leaving death and devastation with no end in sight hmm. sounds pretty bad yeah We'd like to argue every single claim in that uh, sentence, but we won't. Yeah. Um, but that's how it starts out. So already he's into hyperbole of the worst sort. Uh, instead, what we'll do is go a little bit further in the article. He continues and writes, And as the nation celebrated its declaration of independence, it became clear that in the eyes of COVID-19, the proclamation that all men are created equal falls short. So somehow he's able to take the Declaration of Independence and COVID-19 and find a connection I never saw. Um, 
A J- July 5th New York Times article revealed Latino and African-American residents in the United States have been three times as likely to become infected as their white neighbors, according to new data re- released by the CDC. And so then the article goes on to spout many of the well-known mantras of the day. People of color are hurt by the virus far more than the white person because somehow racism makes it that way. That, <laughs> that don't compute. Yeah. Um, when, when people protest against shutting down states, it's not born out of a love for the people of color, but for a love of whiteness. As, as he, he, he actually makes people say something that they never said, but he, he, the way he wrote it, it gives the implication that's what they were saying. He, he said that these people protesting when the states got shut down in Michigan and the Michigan, the people protested, that what they were really were saying is that we're not the ones dying, meaning we're white and we're not dying. Open the state up. We don't care about our black brother. None of that got said, but that's how he interprets it. Uh, when testing sites open up, He argues it has to be free so that the people of color can take the test, and it must be in their neighborhoods so that they can go and get the free test. The article then begins to make its conclusion, but notice how it's all premised on what is actually never proven. It is clear, he says, clear, clear, crystal clear, man. It is clear that COVID-19 is highlighting the overwhelming racial bias of the healthcare system. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's not clear. I don't know what you do at this point other than laugh. I, I mean, what do you... It's like, what, how did... And, and it's like, and people want us to comment on this stuff. It's like, it's stupid. Yeah. But anyhow, let me continue reading this. It ranges from doctors making assumptions about their patients instead of taking the time to ask respectful questions. Heck, that's what mine does to me. <laughs> and I'm lily white. Yeah. But hey, and he is too. He's Polish. What is this? White on white crime? I, I, anyhow, uh, taking the time to ask respectful questions and listen to pharmacies and listen or to pharmacies assuming morphine prescription is fraudulent because certain black person must be looking for drugs. I'm forbidden to have morphine. Mm-hmm. They won't like, let me have it. And I'm not that. Um, This is especially alarming when it comes to conditions that would require surgery, such as fibroids, which are far more likely to develop uh, than in what, boy, that's a, this is their writing and it wasn't edited, far more likely to develop than in white people or white women. And then yet black women are often told the only option is a hysterectomy rather than a non-invasive approach. Black women are also two to three more times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes. All that is proof of a crystal clear picture that our nation's health care system is intrinsically white-oriented and racist. But the problem is it's just anecdotes. It fails to give any real picture or real information. But regardless, that healthcare system is a system of racism. And many people read those articles and they start nodding and say, uh-huh, oh, that's a good point. Oh, I never thought about that. It's like, it yeah. said nothing. Anyhow, we could go on, but. Yeah. Well, first of all, we would argue that the whole um, so-called conversation is unnecessary. And it's not a conversation. It's, it's, no, it's not. Get on the bus or get under it kind of thing. Um, it's, is that your line? That's a pretty good one. Actually, no, that was a Mark Driscoll line. Oh, that's <laughs> right. In fact, when he said the, it, yeah. he was actually in the process behind the scenes of having a, a 
pastor who was resisting his direction get fired. Mm-hmm. I remember that. That's what he would tell his staff. Yeah. Get on the bus or get under it. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're just blinking at each other. Well, we both had, we were both probably editing in our minds things. Yeah. Filter, Should we say filter, don't, don't, filter, don't, don't. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so the, the arguments, though, they're kind of like the apostates that are described in Jude. Uh, you know, those clouds without water, hidden reefs lurking just under the surface of the water, waiting to rupture the ship. Uh, men and women reviling what they don't understand, all with a, that deeper agenda than to help push justice forward for all the people. Um, Thomas, how do you pronounce it? Soul. Soul. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Um, one of the great thinker, Have thinkers. Have you read of any of his stuff? Yeah, of course. The guy is yeah uber smart. He is. Uh, he is a good thinker. Um, and he is, he's un- unmoved and unimpressed by many of the arguments. Um, and he has shown time and time again the ability to uh, reveal the roots of their arguments and how they don't actually lie in truth, but are, are absorbed in just agenda setting. Um, so, so he points out that the arguments and the goals are merely the natural outworking of critical race theory and and social justice movements, which are just modern-day forms of, of Marxism. Which, which we've talked about. Yeah. Um, in other words, it, it, it's a political movement and not a justice movement. And it is tra- it's transparently political. And anyone who wants to deny that is just choosing to deny that. They have to. I mean, I don't know. Um, so Sol, he makes the simple but powerful point that the claim of systemic racism, that all those claims are not something that can actually be specified. Uh, or qualified, um, nor can you test its truth claims. Um, rather, it is a loose compendium of anecdotes that say a lot, but have nothing really of substance. Yeah, that's there. huge. It's just all of this has been anecdotal at yeah. best. Well, my grandma right. sat in the bus and she sat next to the guy and he was obviously racist. He was very uncomfortable around her and he kept giving her dirty looks. And it's like, Okay. There's a whole host of reasons why he might be that way, but you have already assumed that he must be racist. You know what we saw with the yeah. George Floyd thing, but or or assume that or attribute it to some sort of system or institutionalized. Well, form that's of what makes it more insidious because now we've moved from actual racism, I hate you because you're a black man, to I love you as a brother in Christ, and frankly, you're just my brother. But I'm still a racist because I am part of a systemic or system of whiteness, which yeah. af- oppresses my black brother no matter what I do. And because I'm not willing to give up those, and that's where it becomes yeah. political. Since I won't give up those systems because they make me feel comfortable, therefore I am still a racist. Uh, so the only answer I can do is literally throw up my hands, give away everything I own, turn the entire governing to a group of people who are avowed social Marxists. Right, which, which is sad because it obscures and distracts from being able to deal with the real issue, what real forms of racism, um, the prejudice maybe in people's hearts or something like that, because now we're looking for something in the structures, yep. the deep structures, the systems, the institutions. And so now we can't actually talk meaningfully about um, someone who has some sort of inferiority or superiority complex to a different race, which is how I would define racism. Yeah, the problem, though, is what um, Sowell was saying is that there's nothing of substance, actually. You can't actually test these uh, theories of 
about systems of racism. But when you ask the average person, you realize they've done a phenomenal job in uh, propaganda because you will hear the exact opposite. They would say that, and they really have bought the lie hook, line, and sinker, and they are now committed to rooting out this racism that's so obvious. It's like, how can you not see it? Uh, it really shows the effectiveness of the tactics. Um, and it's somewhat eye-raising how many of, this is just me talking, but how many of the people right now who are anti-BLM folks who are right now chanting in our state alone, because they got, they're not going to open up the schools. Probably it's going to be virtual schools. And they're like, open up the schools. You need to open it. They're tired of this. Um, and that's all because of the coronavirus, right? Sure. But it's interesting because they see the evil of the social justice movement. They see the evil of the BLM uh, practices. They, all of this stuff that they're horrified with and they see, but then they're yelling at the same time, open up the school so I can stick my kid back into a place that is literally committed yep. to producing that mindset. It's like, I don't, again, there's just some there's breakdowns yeah. somewhere in our minds that look, um, open those schools up and also how, how, how did we get here? It's like, that's how we got there. These, these all came together. Yeah. So if a, if a police officer now uses force on a black man and the officer is white, the, the running presumption is it is racism. Um, not just in, in the officer, but proof that the system is racist. Uh, and how, well, in their minds, it's obvious. If your system was not racist, then this officer would not have done what he did to this man. That's that's the conclusion of the argument, at least. And so in light of that, then now proof is given, supposedly, um, and now riots can just commence. Um, if you know, if you if you if you counter it with the massive number of statistics showing that violence against a black man by a police officer of any color or gender is exceedingly low, the response then is that it too is proof of systemic racism. Yeah, it's just we're just playing with facts and figures. All we're trying to do is hide. You yeah. can't you can't ever it's because it's anecdotes rather than tr right. facts. You can't argue back with facts because it doesn't matter. The right. The whole thing is rotten from the core. Mm -hmm. And that's and all you're doing is proving that fact. Yeah. Well, he, last year the Washington Post, which is probably the most liberal media source in the country. Uh, showed that there were only 15 unarmed black men shot last year by police officers out of 42 million black people in the country. And yet the argument is the existential threat to black America is police officers. Right. I don't understand that. And, and so literally these people are destroying their own communities with the whole def defund the police. I mean, did you see the latest one with, um, was it the Minneapolis police or Seattle? I think it was Minneapolis where they basically just the police let them know, look, um, violent crimes are on the rise. If people approach you, just give them your cell phone, give them your wallets. Don't I argue did with see them. That, yeah. Basically, capitulate the streets to the the thief. To you them. can't yeah. do that. But that's what's happened when you, cops are like, there is no way I'm making an arrest when I could then be charged with first degree murder. I'm I'm no 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 no. Yep. Citizens clearly want this. Well, the citizens can deal with these people and find out what it's like to deal with individuals who might not be as nice as you think they are. You know, anyhow, yeah. it's it's bad. Well, it's it's 
it's a challenge too because I mean, what is that? Is it Mark Twain? There's lies. There's Dam- condemnable lies and, and then statistics. Stats. You can just make them do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so the fact that Washington Post shows that there's 15 unarmed black men shot by police officers last year out of 42 million black Americans, and there's more white people that were unarmed, white people shot by police officers say, so, yeah, but it doesn't matter because there's 197 million white right, people in right. the country. But that's not, that's not the control group that you use. The control group you use is how many interactions are happening between police officers and criminals. And there's far more interactions between police officers and black Americans. And yet still only 15 unarmed black men were shot. So proportionately speaking, you're, you're far less likely actually to be shot by a police officer as a black American than as a white person. Especially if you do what they ask you to do. Well, Which the George Floyd, the latest video that just came out, showed that he he, he was resisting every step of the way, arguing, actually, it, it's just, it's going to be crazy. Well, we were talking off mic. People, if you think the riots were bad before, just wait until potentially some of these officers are just not brought on. I mean, how they, do you they, prove they, second degree? Yeah, you can't prove that. You can't prove the way the law is written. There's no way you could prove that there is any of anything present, especially with that, a video like that showing it. It's like, it's it's just, and so what will happen is the people will then be screaming, see, there is no justice. Actually, justice was served right. because justice demands, tr- uh, it's got to be based off of true truth, not just your feelings. Just because you don't like the guy is not enough to make sure. him go to prison, but... But let's briefly talk about good old D'Angelo's book. We'll deal with it, her in one whole podcast. But her book, um, White Fragility, it's actually now considered required reading for anyone who wants to be woke. Met most of your corporations are integrating it and, and hiring her and paying her large sums of money uh, so she can tell you how racist you are. She gets um, like ten or $12,000 for a two-hour session. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, the book will be reviewed by us very soon, but its whole premise is based on the idea that there are systems in place that are opposed to the black person. So she takes great pains to make sure that every white person understands that they're racist. How? Well, first, by changing the definition of racism. That's always convenient. But then showing how even the most progressive person is still functioning in that system that is racist. Uh, she seems to fail to grasp, and this is what I find interesting. She, she fails to grasp that if that is true, then she is a racist as well, because she's per, per, per participating in that promulgation of an evil racist ideas that keep oppressing all black people in America because she's part of that system. Even though those who don't think they're actually oppressed by white men or, or, or the system, um, they're still being oppressed, according to her paradigm, if you will. But all that does is make her guilty. But somehow she is able to extricate herself and speak as if she's not one of them. But yeah. it's like you are. I would say by your own logic, we should therefore reject your book. Yeah, well, it's it's laughable that she's even given this level of serious acceptance when the whole logic of her book impales her and everyone who is white who claims to agree with her. They speak not out of blackness, but out of whiteness. And they speak within the safety of the very systems that keep them safe and superior. In fact, I, I took the time to look up uh, Penguin Random House. 
the publishing the house that published her. And I went to the board of directors and their leaders worldwide. It's, I didn't know they were worldwide. Worldwide, not one person who's black, not one. They had one Asian, one looked like he's Pakistani or Indian, and that was it. Everyone else was lily white. Well, she's doing what your typical liberal does anyway. So when the whole LGBTQ stuff came out and now all these corporations are supporting pride because it's so bold to support something once the entire culture accepts it. But <laughs> now it's rainbow capitalism. I would say what she's doing is black capitalism. She's doing what good liberals do. They always make money off of this stuff. Yeah. And it's disgusting. Yes. Uh, but, but what you what you find is that woke Christian leaders are now all bowing to that very altar of whiteness and systems of racism that's pushed by a white woman, published by a white-led publisher that says you're not you're a racist not because you hate other races but because you belong and participate in a racist system. I mean, it's that screwed up. And yet, how many uh, Christian leaders that we've held great respect are just jumping on the ship like crazy? Yeah. Anyhow. Well, um, I, I think D'Angelo, I think she hates, it doesn't matter, but I think she hates America. I think she hates everything America stands for. Well, I would argue this this whole movement, because of its cultural Marxism, it really is against the, the, the fabric of what America stood for. And so they're literally having to tear it from within. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, because she, she has redefined I think you said this, but she has redefined racism to yeah. no to no longer be. I think my race is superior to yours. She's redefined it to mean any societal structure that results in racial inequality. Um, so anything that doesn't result in exact same proportions between black people and white people, that's racism. Therefore, we need to tear the whole thing down. Tear uh, it down, yeah, burn it. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, so anyway, the second. Second thing here is the basic argument is flawed because it assumes it assumes what it cannot prove. Um, so ask a person why they think America is racist, and you're going to get a story. Always, uh, always it, a story. It's an anecdote. Um, almost every single time, some kind of story they read or heard or did themselves. Um, it could be that they point to the way police seem to single out black people, or the fact that there is an overtly high number of black people being incarcerated. Perhaps they get nervous when they find themselves in a black neighborhood, which therefore gives evidence that they're racist. Um, but we would say, I mean, I would say none of that is proof of anything. No. Um, at best, they may be indicators, but even still, they must be investigated to see if they are or they aren't. Um, so just by way of example, uh, does, does the white guy or woman get nervous because he or she sees black people? Or is it because he or she is in an area that is known for high crime? Uh, or is it because he or she is getting hard stares that indicate that he or she is not welcome? Um, yeah, you, you can walk into, I mean, when I was, uh, I lived in L.A., there were the Crips, the Bloods. You had all these Hispanic gangs. You had Vietnamese gangs, Korean gangs, Armenian gangs. You had them all. And if you got into their territory and you didn't belong, you, you started getting the hard stares and you knew right away that, you know, there are certain places that were kind of like neutral, like you could go to the grocery store. Everyone had to go to the grocery store, just get your stuff and leave. But you start wandering the neighborhoods and they're looking at you and they're, they're giving you a look. What, and you know it, you know that I'm not welcome there. And at no point was it ever a racist thing. It was, I'm, they're wondering if you belong to another gang 
and or they're wondering if you're going to be an easy mark to rob because that's what they do but um no it can't be that it must be because i'm a racist i felt uncomfortable in that neighborhood and so because you've been heaping guilt upon yourself you start to interpret everything you're doing through this lens which is terrible yeah well then with the police you know so why are they dealing so much with certain black people um you know is it their choice the police officer's choice just to go looking for them um or or they sent on a call with no say about that which is how it really works you just get a call and you gotta go right and it doesn't say black man be on alert it's a black man guys get ready get your smacking clubs out you know it's it's just see the man unknown trouble 6134 11th avenue okay so it's a man and an unknown trouble next thing you know you're in a fight right um yeah, you know, so are they, are they dealing with individuals who keep getting released on no bail or low bail and then just repeating their crimes? Are they assigned to a primarily black district where the vast majority of their interactions or their contacts are with black? Um, did the crimes actually occur? Was there a crime there? Uh, did the black person comply with the officer's commands? These are not questions that are being asked. No. They're just running assumptions. Um in fact, let me speak to this one because I, I, I lived through this with the Rodney King video. Uh, everyone usually can know something about the Rodney King video. Maybe you haven't seen it uh, if you're younger. But obviously, people would say it's proof that cops are racist and love beating down the black man. Uh, but to all who hear this right now, let me just ask you some questions. And I want you to think about how you would answer these, okay? Do you know how many blacks were involved in the situation? Do you know how many were involved? We all know Rodney King was there. Do you know how many blacks were resisting the commands of the officers? When you hear about Rodney King, do you also hear about the other two black men that were in the car with him? See, most people think it's Rodney King, and all they know about is the, is the cops were just beating him down for no good reason. Uh, but the reality is, was there's three black men in that car that were fleeing from the police and leading them on a, a, a multi, multi-mile pursuit. And two of them were ordered out of the vehicle in the same way that Rodney King got ordered out. But the difference is they complied, they were taken into custody, and not a scratch on them because they did not resist. But we're not allowed to know those things because they don't support the rant of that systemic racism. So now Rodney King, who was a, a, a horrid human being, um, now becomes almost this, this pillar of proof that racism exists. But we never get to hear the whole story. So once you start arguing that something evil is present, but no one can see it but the truly enlightened then any chance of a reasonable dialogue is completely finished. Uh, what's uh, Vodi call that? Ethnic? Gnosticism. Yeah, yeah. That you, you have to be black to know it or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, the basic argument for systemic racism is that a white person, especially a white man, they, they live and move in a system that's designed to make them feel normal and right. But that's not true for the black person. They're always aware of their blackness because the the white feels normal. Therefore, he's unable to see the bars that block opportunity for the black man. And so the idea goes that the black person or person of color must always take their race into consideration. Why? 
because of this system of racism that we don't know exists. The racism is not overt, but rather it's a series of micro. Now we're into a new level. It's a series of microaggressions against the people of color. Well, because whites dominate the very systems in place, such as politics and courts and business and education, it creates a situation where benefits flow naturally, they say, to other whites, which are withheld from the person of color. I don't know where that is because I have never gotten any of that to my knowledge. But yeah. um, and th- this is the bl- basic lens through which every event becomes interpreted. And it's here that it reveals how broken it is as an idea. Yeah. And it's even beyond that now, too, because it's not enough. Affirmative action is not enough. It's not enough to just have people of color in positions of power because the, the, the system itself is broke. So just because you have people of color in positions of power, that's not sufficient because now they're just in power of a still broken system. And so D'Angelo, just rip it down, Yep. you know, because you need equality of outcome across the board, which is a bizarre thing when you think about like she wouldn't call the NBA racists, even though it's a majority, it's majority. Well, you mean the players of the NBA? Yeah. The system of NBA probably is all racist because, but. Well, well, who knows? Um, But she wouldn't, yeah, she wouldn't because it's benefiting black people because it's majority right. black people. Um, and that's just the absurdity of the claim. Um, but when you look for very, for, for the facts, you, you find them greatly wanting and vague. Um, but, but that is not necessary. If you can get people to think that the only reason that that white officer was not charged with a crime is because he is white, then your work is done, yep. basically. Uh, worse, if you can infect an entire generation of young blacks to believe that no matter what they do, that the system will keep them down, then you win. Um, it, it, it is really about how to define reality and define truth. The, the, the movement creates a vile and evil gridwork through which life is to be poured, and everything must be forced through that gridwork. Um, but the grid is, is broken and the lies it perpetuates are not designed to heal, but to shift power and money to a new group. So just view everything in terms of race. And now you're understanding reality better. Yeah, you go into the office and they turn you down for a job. It's because I'm a black man. He's racist. It's got nothing to do with my underwear hanging out of my pants because my pants are down around my knees. I'm slouching. Um, I'm acting in a disrespectful manner and I'm mumbling and the guy's like, this is not what I want my customers to be encountering. I want them to encounter an intelligent, friendly, neat person. And this guy is walking in here like he just woke up. I'm not hiring him. It's got nothing to do with your race. It's got everything to do with your attitude and your demeanor and how you comport yourself. And yet it doesn't matter. That man is convinced that he's a racist and that whole thing is screwed. So might as well just get on the gravy train or whatever, because I can't get ahead. It's, it really is heartbreaking because it, it's destroying whole households of African-Americans who would want, if given to, given the freedom, they would want to excel and grow, but they're not allowed to because actually the real system that's destroying them is within this whole movement that they're, they're buying into. Yeah, I, I think so. But even those things you listed, like well-groomed pants up, those kinds yeah. of things. Oh, that's white. They would say that's the white system there. And so now we're all groomed to think that that yep. is stan- the standard. So we need to rip that down. Even things like meritocracy or individualism or free yep. speech, that's all white. Um, 
so we need to get rid of that and redefine categories entirely. Yep. And with that, of course, the nation will crumble, which is why it's no doubt then that the they want to destroy even the nuclear family. Yeah. And then the third thing we'd say is follow the money. We keep saying this. Matt and I laugh when we think about how so many of those leading the charge of systemic racism, uh, that they're not the downtrodden, but they're actually the intelligentsia, the, the governing officials, the so-called elites. So an example of that would be a woman with, who had tenure and a PhD complains about her nicely appointed office, or she's complaining from her nicely appointed office with expensive, within an expensive university about how she's a victim of racism and sexism. What you really should do is just laugh at her. She points to her books that are published as books to be read. Uh, she does it with all the accoutrements of status and comfort and safety. No one is marching outside her house like the couples in St. Louis. No one is burning her storefront after looting it. And we speak there of Kimberly uh, Crenshaw, who popularized the whole idea of intersectionality. It's like you're getting rich off of this stuff, and it's in your best interest to just keep spouting this stuff off. So I, I go back to my generation with the Jesse Jacksons and the Al Sharpton. They're men whose whole livelihood rests on keeping racism alive, uh, not destroying it. But they're actually old now and, and they can only engage the, really the older crowds, the younger ones are new, looking for new people. So it's AOC and people like that. Today, so we have these new batch of people, but they're also looking to cash in on the money cow that systemic racism and fighting against it will bring. So no matter what happens, they will never be happy because the moment they become happy means they're out of work. So just follow the money. And we seriously mean it when we say follow the money. You want to keep your job and not be counseled? Then keep your mouth shut or start to say this. Uh, you want your school to continue to grow, then you need to keep the students happy and give that into their demands. You want your church not to suffer a loss of people, then preach about the God of justice who sent his world into this, his son into this world as an immigrant child who was rejected by the systems of power that day. Oh, that'll bring the people in and you're woke and everyone will applaud you and blah, blah, blah. But that's all you guys, that, that, all that really is is that you're following the money and you want that money in your pocket. So what do I got to do to keep it coming? Yeah. Well, let's give some then biblically derived You think that's thoughts. enough ranting? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the, the Christian, uh, it's just, it's, I mean, nothing new here. It's stuff we've been saying on pretty much every episode. But the, the Christian is to live under the domain of truth. Um, and that truth is always and only the word of God. Uh, other things may contain some level of truth, but it's, it's never against the word of God. The word of God is truth and truth is the word. Nothing else can claim that. Uh, you know, so, so can other things be factual perhaps, but that is not the same thing as truth, not in an ultimate sense of what truth is. But this means that when you back the word into truth claims that are born from false narratives and philosophies like intersectionality or critical race theory. Yeah, now you're like going to find the Bible in those terms. Yeah. Trouble is the only thing that yeah. is produced. So it, it takes only a few minutes to, to work to see that the arguments of, of BLM or the social justice movements are, are built upon entirely false systems, false ideas. But we, but we have Christian leaders saying, yeah, but we're about the small b black lives matter movement it's like oh my gosh have you have you 
literally listen to yourself, you're now arguing over Big B or Little B. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. Well, it's a challenge too. Uh, Well, it doesn't matter. Next time. Um, We've we've already we've already dealt with that, so we won't rehash it. But how many Christians are are lining up to explain how they are now woke and ready to fight to bring down these systems? You know, how many are marching in protest, organized by overtly anti-gospel, anti-Christian, God-hating groups? How many are now parroting the same broken phrases as if those words are somehow the, the words of Christ? I mean, it's bizarre. Pastors are, are leading their churches in this, and it's not a good thing. Um, so, yeah. Well, go ahead. W- well, we said it before. We'll say it again. This is this is going to be a line that divides the church in America, and it's going to be it's going to be nasty before it gets better. We predict. Um, you heard it here. Um, the battle is over what truth is. What is truth? And it's over what is our mission. It's over the means that this mission is to be accomplished. And so until we go back and we just simply open up the word of God and declare in the power of the spirit, thus says the Lord God almighty, then the church is simply going to fizzle and shrivel into an even greater mediocrity. Um, But this division is an opportunity as well, we would say. It's an opportunity to clarify your position. It's an opportunity to clarify your convictions. This is what we're doing in our cities. Uh, we want to clear that we reject these ideas as as a church, as pastors, and not because we're white, but because they oppose biblical truth. That's the issue. Um, this is a time, we would say, for men to be men and to stand fast on what is right. It is not a time for a conversation. It's not a time to, pro- it's, it, in fact, a time rather to proclaim the glory and the majesty and absolute sovereignty of God. It is to be unabashedly a slave to Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. And so it's in a, it, it's right now a time to set aside our little loves that have never satisfied us and simply cling to God alone. Yeah, in fact, it, it seems financially wise to get on board with these movements, but the harsh reality is they never will pay off as they hope. Um, the words of Christ in Matthew 5 and 6, especially chapter 6, is still in operation today. He says, if you do what is right because it's right, and not so that you're noticed, then the Father in heaven will repay you. It's a, it's a comforting statement, and he says it over and over again. It's really that simple. God promised it so we can believe it. But if you do what you do so that people will take notice, i.e. virtue signaling, then your reward is now limited to whatever this world will give you at the time. But it won't be found with a well-done and good and faithful servant. You did good. Um, not one church denomination that made social justice in the past one of their pillars is still worthy to be called Christian. Once you go down that slide, there is no end. You go from one drumbeat to the next until you continue to go downward, embracing everything and anything that is uh, thrown your way. If you doubt us, go study the history of the United uh, Christian. Church of Christ, or the United Methodists, or the ECLA, or the Congregational Church, all of them are known for their love and concern for everything other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And the gospel is lost because of their law. Their gospel is lost, rather, except in their confessions. Their confessions usually are still really good. It's just not, they nobody forgot. believes. Yeah. They, don't, they don't got them. Well, what's interesting is we're looking for a church right now in Milwaukee, a church building. And all the church buildings for sale are these mainline denominations yeah. because their congregations have literally 
died. Died. Physically. (laughs) Yeah, because they're trying to conform to the culture. The problem is, is the culture is doing better what the church is trying to follow. Yeah, why would you go have bad church punch when you've got something slick like Starbucks doing the same thing? Right. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the the idea perpetuated, uh, or the ideas perpetuated are, are racist and nothing good comes when we call evil good and good evil. Uh, it's that simple. There are always the, the false prophets in the world, but the Christian is not to support them or run with them. And yet in America, we're doing both. Um, so to accuse a person of racism, but without any proof is evil. That, that in and of itself is unjust. So to, to attempt to take what is not yours is called theft. Um, <laughs> These are not deep it's not concepts. <laughs> um, you know, so perhaps not by our lawyers and courts, but before the living God, it's theft, right? Um, so while it's being justified as just an outcry of the oppression, no, it's, it's theft. Um, and no thief has a place in the kingdom of God. Which is frightening when you see Christian leaders, or at least professing Christian leaders, basically arguing for a redistribution of wealth. That's called theft. And it's like, you, no, you, are you really in Christ? I, I, I tell you, it's, it's a crazy time. Finally, one of the greatest problems we see with it is that it's a grand distraction from the great call of God to bring the gospel to all the nations. Instead, massive amounts of energy and money gets diverted from that task of preaching the word and, and calling people to repent. Instead, strife is being stirred up, not via actual examples of evil, but presupposed evil without fact. We devour one another uh, in, in this way. We, as we compete for wokeness and fight the shadow demon of racism, all the while, we only harm those for whom Christ died. We seek to, dis, uh, we, we seek to disenfranchise or silence any black voice that speaks against this folly, which is why we are big proponents of what Samuel say with slow to write and uh, Harrison, what's the, his partner's? Virgil Walker. Yeah, Virgil yeah. Walker. Um, I knew it was a V, but I can couldn't. Omaha. One of them is called Omaha, I guess. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I Anyhow, forget which one. <laughs> I mean, we want you to listen to them because these guys are able to speak out of that black world, and they're speaking completely contrary, and their wisdom is worth uh, learning. But Paul said it best uh, when he wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, 2 through 7. He says that I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Why? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we Now, these are strong words by him, but he says, if you want to tear down a true stronghold, then stop thinking in some physical manifestation. That's all he's saying. It's always and ever going to be a spiritual battle against a satanic lie. And the weapon to destroy it is always and ever the word of God. 
We hold up the high, the knowledge of God as found in the Bible. We take our thoughts captive to obey Jesus alone. And every time we find our minds going elsewhere, we rebuke ourselves and recenter upon him. And when we find people teaching and living out something contrary to sound doctrine, we punish them, calling them to repent. We can all look at things outward, but the whole time uh, that we're Well, the whole while that we do that, the real battle is raging in the minds and the realm of truth. So all we would say to you is go back to the simple road that's paid by God's word. Let's put on a heart of humility and serve one another. Let the pulpits again cry forth the weekly exposition of the Bible, not flying high over the passage, but delving into its depths and drawing God's children ever deeper into biblical truth. Let us resist the conforming pressure of this age and do it by fathers who will lead their families in biblical doctrine and biblical living that renews the mind. Let the church be known for its love of God and love for sinners in need of that gospel. So we'll continue to work through this topic in the upcoming weeks. So next time we'll, I guess, talk about something else. But until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on systemic or institutional racism. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend.